This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, and strong sexual content, including female-female sex, BDSM, and voyeurism. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 348. Learning the Ropes, a House of Bellevue story, written by L.C. Williams. Rousseau said nothing. She reached out and placed her hand on the back of the small woman's head, a possessive gesture, but one that seemed to be a kind of blessing as well. They remained in that tableau for a long moment. Then Rousseau took the hem of Samar's headscarf and slowly unwrapped it, exposing the long, glossy black waves of her hair. It fell in curtains on either side of her face, and spilled down to brush the cement floor. Her face was now completely hidden from Natasha's perspective, as Russo tossed the garment aside. Russo circled around behind Samar, still with those slow, stalking movements. Natasha scooched down toward the end of the bed, close to where the soldier had been standing, until she was looking at Samar head-on. The sensualist's face looked still and peaceful, almost blank. She did not make eye contact with Natasha, but kept her head bowed and waited for instructions. Russo knelt behind Samar and ran both hands through the woman's hair, lightly massaging her scalp with her fingertips. Samar's eyes fluttered closed, her restrained smile playing on her lips. Natasha had heard that some of the desert cultures forbade their women to expose their heads in public— She did not know why, exactly, but doing so was apparently considered immoral. Natasha suspected this was only the first of many cultural taboos they would be breaking tonight. Such a shame to keep this hidden, Russo mused, lifting a lock of the hair to her face. She breathed in the woman's scent, nostrils flaring. Then she parted Samar's hair around the nape of her neck and kissed it. Samar let out a soft murr of pleasure. Suddenly, Russo grabbed Samar by the scruff and pulled her head roughly backward. The sensualist let out a gasp as Russo's fingers fisted tightly in her hair. Russo held Samar's body close against her, leaning in over the smaller woman's shoulder. She licked a line of flesh from the hollow of Samar's throat to the underside of her chin, then pressed her lips to Samar's and kissed her hard. Samar moaned against her mouth and seemed to return the kiss eagerly. Natasha watched, eyes wide, as Russo yanked aside the sensualist's robes, exposing the soft brown skin beneath. The soldier's hand found a breast and squeezed, then pinched the nipple so hard that Samar yelped. But she did not push Russo away, nor make any other sign of protest. 
It was just as she had said. She had given Russo complete power over her body, and Russo was using that power however she wished. Natasha had never seen a woman take command over a sexual encounter before. Her only experience had been with that neighbor boy a few years ago, and he had been older, bigger and stronger than Natasha at the time. She had not known what to do when he began kissing her and trying to remove her clothes. In the end, she had gone along with it, hoping that at least it would feel good. She had been disappointed. He had not lasted long, and with his own hunger satisfied, he had left her there among the hay bales to finish herself with her fingers. That, at least, she had figured out for herself. But she had concluded from this that sex was quick, underwhelming, and required little from the woman in the way of participation. The idea of a woman being in control of her partner, even another woman, and deciding what they would do, and when, and for how long, was simply revolutionary. She wanted to see more. And Rousseau was more than willing to oblige. She pulled Samar to her feet and stripped off the rest of her clothes, tossing aside the fine silks like so much garbage. Samar stood obediently before Natasha, naked and compliant, as Rousseau alternated kisses and caresses with pinches, slaps, and love bites. Natasha could see Samar's skin prickling with goose flesh in the cool air, her dark nipples hardening, her breath growing deeper and heavier. Natasha felt her own arousal rising as she watched them, like an itch that needed to be scratched. Before she had quite realized what she was doing, she had undone the buttons of her trousers and slipped her hand inside her drawers. Her fingertips fell lightly against the folds of her pizda, and even that gentle touch sent a spasm of urgent need running through her. A moan escaped from her lips before she could stop it. Russo chuckled, a low, rich sound. She released her teeth from Samar's ear and flashed that devilish grin at Natasha again. I knew you would like this, she purred. But we're just getting started, Volkova. Watch and learn. She guided Samar over to one of the odd pieces of furniture, a vaguely saddle-shaped bench with a padded shelf protruding from one end, the reason for the peculiar shape soon became clear. Samar knelt on the shelf, then leaned forward to rest her body along the saddle. Her shapely buttocks were thus presented to Russo, at a height roughly even with the soldier's waist. The bench was oriented in parallel to the bed, so Natasha had a clear view of both women in profile. The look of anticipation on Samar's face made Natasha wonder what was about to happen— Natasha's fingers began to circle her clit. With one hand, Rousseau began softly caressing Samar's bare ass, up and down. Sometimes she reached further up to stroke the small of Samar's back. Sometimes she reached between her legs, cupping her mound or probing her sex with a questing finger. Samar let out soft moans and murs of encouragement, and closed her eyes with a look of contented bliss. Natasha did not see the riding crop in Russo's other hand until it smacked against Samar's ass with a loud slap. Samar let out a cry of pain and arched her back, her knuckles going white as she gripped the edge of the bench. Russo gave her a moment to recover, rubbing softly over the flesh she had just struck. Then she hit her again, 
a lighter blow this time, then another, and another. Russo's crop whipped back and forth in a slow, deliberate rhythm. Whack, 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 whack. Samar was mostly silent, save for her soft hisses of breath at each impact. Natasha studied her face as the beating continued. She had stopped wincing with pain, and her face had taken on a distant, trance-like expression. Her eyes closed, her lips softly parted. There was nothing binding her to the bench. She could have gotten up at any time. If what she had told Natasha was true, she could have stopped this torture with a word. But she didn't. She received the pain that Russo gave her willingly, and apparently with as much eagerness as she had received the pleasure. She wanted this. Natasha did not know why this realization excited her, but it did. There was something powerful here, in this complete and willing submission of one person to another. Samar and Russo had none of the fumbling uncertainty and desperation that had characterized that awful encounter between Natasha and the farm boy. They knew what they were about, and they played their roles without any hesitation. What must it be like to be that confident? What must it feel like to possess another's body so completely? Natasha's orgasm took her by surprise. She hadn't even been paying attention to what she was doing anymore, but now she dimly realized that her fingers had been working fast and hard against her clit. She rode the wave of pleasure as it crested and fell, while Samar shuddered under the slow brutality of the riding crop. She moaned again as she came down, and braced herself upright with one hand against the mattress. Her other hand remained between her legs, caught between the thin fabric of her drawers and the now soaking folds of her pizda. Russo helped Samar down from the bench and led her over to the bed, where she knelt atop the mattress on her hands and knees. There she waited, while Russo picked up a coil of rope and began measuring out lengths of it with an outstretched arm. Natasha could see that Samar's buttocks were red and swollen from the beating. From here, up close and viewed straight on, it looked gruesome. You been here not, Natasha exclaimed. She was stunned, sickened, and ashamed of herself. She had brought herself to climax watching Russo beat the shit out of this woman. What in all the hells was wrong with her? Samar looked over her shoulder at Natasha, then up at Russo. Couscous, she said. Immediately, the hungry, predatory look slid off of Russo's face. Yeah, all right, she said, and set the rope down again. Samar rolled over onto her side to face Natasha, propping herself up on one arm. Her dark eyes watched her intently, full of concern. Natasha, I stopped the scene so that we can talk about what you're feeling. Natasha blinked. I... what is this matter? I am not... part of this. But you are, Samar said. You are here. You are watching. And I saw you touching yourself. She reached out a hand toward Natasha, not touching her, but placing it close enough that she could reach out and take it if she wanted to. Talk to me. What were you feeling just now? Natasha lowered her eyes. I... I was ashamed. I watched what Russo did to you, and... 
and I enjoyed it. I do not know why. I think part of you does know, Samar said gently. Natasha winced. Something is wrong with me, she whispered. What sort of person wants to do these things? Samar's lips bent into a lopsided smile. One could just as easily ask what sort of person wants these things to be done to them. If there is something wrong with you, and I do not concede that point, then you are in good company, Natasha. Natasha laughed once, despite herself. She glanced at Samar's hand again, but still did not take it. You are all right. I am, Samar assured her. Oh, sitting down will be a tricky business tomorrow, but there are plenty of pillows to help with that. This is the house of comfort, after all. She leaned in a little to catch Natasha's eye and added, Remember, the submissive has the ultimate power in these exchanges. I can always say no. I can stop everything with a word, just as I did a moment ago. Natasha snorted. Couscous? Samar's smile showed a hint of teeth. It's important to choose a word that she won't say by accident. That makes sense, Natasha admitted. She looked over at Russo, who was leaning up against the wall next to the headboard. It does not bother you that Samar stopped your game because I was upset. Russo rolled one shoulder in a slow, insouciant shrug. That's how it works. I knew when I brought you here that we'd have to talk you through some things. She flashed her unsettling grin again, a knowing glint in her eyes. You made yourself comfortable faster than I expected, actually. I think you might be ready to help me with this next part. Natasha felt a quiver of excitement mixed with uncertainty. She looked back to Samar. This is good with you. Samar nodded. I think it might help you, actually. Being an observer is no substitute for direct experience. Just remember, if you ever feel uncomfortable, we can always stop again. Safe words aren't just for the submissive to use. Natasha nodded. She turned back to Russo. What do you want me to do? In answer, Russo handed her a coil of rope. Tie her wrists to the bed. Here and here. She indicated two of the iron rings mounted to the headboard. I assume you know how to use a rope, eh, farm girl? Natasha looked down at the rope, ran her fingers over the surface. It was about half an inch thick, tightly braided, and smooth. Cotton, she guessed, and much finer than anything she had used back home. Duh, she said, feeling another flutter of trepidation. She looked up at Samar, who nodded her assent, and extended one wrist toward her. Natasha looked up at the bed for a moment, silently calculating the angles and forces that would be involved. Then she wrapped the end of the rope around Samar's wrist four times, laying each coil neatly below the last. She draped the working end over the wrist and looped the resulting bite over Samar's hand, covering both ends of the rope. This tightened into a hitch, which held securely in place when Natasha tugged on it. Let me take a look at that, Russo said, sounding curious. Natasha obliged. After examining the hitch and tugging on it a bit, Russo said, Damn, 
That's clever. Most beginners tie something half-assed that's either going to come loose or make the sub's hands go numb. You'll have to show me how to do this. Natasha did so, unfastening the hitch and then tying it again. Satisfied, Russo stepped back again and let her finish her work. Samar lay down on the mattress with her arms stretched out above her head, and Natasha ran the rope through both loops before binding the other arm in a matching hitch. Samar pulled her arms this way and that, experimenting. She could pull one arm down a little, at the expense of stretching the other one. She could also scooch back toward the headboard to give herself more slack in the line. Everything good? Natasha asked. No pinching? Samar nodded. I agree with Madeline. Nice work for your first time. Thank you, Natasha said. She turned to Russo. What happens now? In answer, Russo held up a long strip of soft, dark cloth. Now we blindfold her. Samar's eyes glinted with anticipation. She held her head up for Russo as she bound the cloth around her, that small, quiet smile still playing on her lips. Then she lay back against the pillows and arched her back in a slow, languid pose that drew Natasha's eyes immediately to her breasts. Russo noticed and chuckled. <laughs> you want to touch her, she said. It was not a question. Natasha licked her lips, nodded once. Russo waved one hand permissively. Do as you like. Just mind the safe word. She took off her clothes, stripping off first her boots, then her uniform, and finally the chemise and drawers underneath. Then she sat back down at the foot of the bed, her back to one of the support pillars, her knees bent and her sex exposed. She watched Natasha and Samar from between her spread legs, her eyes dark and hungry. She put one hand to her pizda and began to stroke, slowly up and down its folds. Natasha felt self-conscious, but she also felt a thrill of excitement. Tentatively, she reached out and placed her hand on Samar's belly. The flesh was soft, warm, and inviting. She began rubbing the woman's skin in slow, widening circles. Samar let out a contented sigh. Encouraged, Natasha shifted into a kneeling posture beside Samar, which allowed her to bring her other hand into play. She lightly massaged Samar's whole upper body, caressing her breasts, tracing the lines of her ribs and the muscles of her neck and shoulders, running her hand through Samar's thick, dark hair until her fingers traced over her scalp. The sensualist let out little coos and murmurs of pleasure, urging her on. Natasha grew bolder. She swung her leg over Samar's hips, straddling her, and added her mouth to her explorations. She kissed her way along one clavicle and into the hollow of Samar's throat, then grabbed one breast firmly in hand and sucked on the engorged nipple. Samar let out a moan at that, which made Natasha suck harder. Samar arched her back again, as if offering her breasts for Natasha's enjoyment. Natasha took the other one in her free hand and experimentally pinched the nipple between her fingers. Samar's sudden gasp gave her a thrill of satisfaction. Russo called out from behind her. You're wearing too many clothes, Volkova. It's spoiling the view. Privately, Natasha agreed with this statement. 
She was hungry for more. She wanted to feel this beautiful woman against her body. Laying aside her hesitation and self-doubt, she got up and quickly stripped out of her clothes. When she returned to the bed, she nestled in beside Samar, propped up on one elbow so she could watch her face. She leaned in and kissed her on the lips, slowly at first, and then with increasing fervor. Samar matched her at every step, never with more force or intensity than Natasha used herself, but always gamely keeping pace. When Natasha covered Samar's mound with her free hand, the other woman moaned eagerly against her mouth. Here, at least, Natasha felt like she knew what she was doing. She might not have much experience being with other people, but she had been pleasuring herself long enough to know what would feel good. Slowly, gradually, she coaxed Samar to greater arousal while continuing her ministrations with lips and tongue. She found that Samar was particularly responsive when she nibbled her ears or ran her tongue over the hollow of her throat. Before long, Samar gasped and shuddered beneath her, and Natasha knew that she had just reached her climax. She kissed Samar on the lips again, boldly thrusting her tongue inside her. Samar moaned and sucked on her tongue, running her own tongue along its underside. Natasha felt her pizda throb with arousal, and she knew what she wanted next. She had never had it done to her. Certainly the farm boy had not attempted it. But she had overheard some men talking about it in the bars back home, so she knew it was possible. And if there was anyone in the world who would know how to do it properly, it would be the sensualists. Breaking the kiss, she sat back and caressed Samar's cheek with one hand. She ran her thumb over Samar's lips, and she eagerly took it into her mouth, her tongue swirling around the tip. This is very talented mouth, Natasha said, her voice husky with desire. I think we should see what else you can do with it. Russo let out a throaty chuckle. <laughs> I like the way you think, Volkova. Face this way when you do it. I want to watch you come. The reminder of their audience gave Natasha a fresh wave of arousal. Yes. Russo had brought her to this wonderful place, given her this lovely woman for them to share. Natasha wanted to return the favor. She took off Samar's blindfold, smiling slightly as she looked down at her. This would be better if you can see what you are doing, duh? Samar's eyes glinted with hunger and amusement. If you really want my best work, mistress, you should untie my hands. Natasha looked over at Russo again, who shrugged. She's your pet, too. Do what you want. Nodding once, Natasha turned and quickly untied Samar's hands. Then she straddled Samar's head and carefully spread her legs until her pizda was just above Samar's mouth. Samar's hands held on tightly to Natasha's legs, and she lifted her face to nuzzle against her wet and aching folds. Natasha had been right. Samar's mouth was talented. Waves of pleasure ran through her as the sensualist licked, nibbled, and sucked in all the right places. She reached down and stimulated her own clit with her fingers, adding to the sensation. She looked up briefly at Russo and saw her comrade's hand working furiously at her sex while she watched Natasha and Samar with wide and unblinking eyes. 
Seeing the hunger in Russo's expression triggered something deep inside Natasha, and a climax crashed over her like a mighty wave. Someone cried out, and it took her a moment to realize it had been her. But Samar wasn't finished yet. No sooner had Natasha come down from her peak than Samar went to work on her pista again. This time she added her fingers to the play, pinching, teasing, and probing while her tongue, lips, and teeth continued their work. Natasha closed her eyes and drank in the sensations, her hips rocking unconsciously against Samar's face. It was now that Russo apparently grew tired of just watching. Natasha heard the rustle of sheets as she changed position, felt the mattress shift beneath her weight, and then suddenly felt hot breath on her cheek. She opened her eyes in time to see Russo's mouth bare inches from her own, her hungry eyes wide and dilated. The shadows seemed to have gathered themselves around Russo like a cloak, and traces of wispy red smoke hung in the air. Russo's skin had changed, taking on a reddish cast like terracotta, and her eyes glowed bright yellow in the darkness. A tail sprouted from her backside, long, thin, and muscular, with a spade-shaped tip as long as Natasha's hand, and two spiraling ram's horns grew out of her forehead. Natasha froze, caught between ecstasy and terror. She knew what Russo was. She had heard tales of Incubi and Succubi, the half-human progeny of Suspira, the goddess of lust. She knew that they lived among mortals in secret and fed on life energy to survive. She knew that they were charismatic, powerful, and dangerous, and that they sought out mortals whose souls were most like their own, to shape them, it was said, into disciples of their goddess. Their kind had been driven out of Yeshrad centuries ago. Natasha had never thought she would see one in person. She had never known they would be so beautiful. Russo grinned, her teeth flashing white amid the shadows and smoke. She reached up and took Natasha's head in both hands, stroking her thumbs gently over her cheeks. I knew you were in there, she said, her voice soft and almost tender. A baby dom, just waiting to come out. She leaned in and kissed Natasha, just the lightest touch of lips against hers, and a surge of power ran through her like a live wire. The pleasure from Samar's attention suddenly tripled, and Natasha cried out as another orgasm exploded through her. Russo moaned against her, and Natasha felt something warm and bright rush through her body and out into Russo's hungry mouth. It was an alien sensation, but one that brought a fresh surge of pleasure, like an orgasm that suffused her entire body. Rather than sating her passions, though, it left her hungry for more. Russo broke the kiss and leaned back, looking Natasha straight in the eyes again. She could see what she had done to Natasha. That much was obvious. She could see that she was no longer afraid. Or, if she was, that the feeling was pushed too far to the back of her mind to matter. A knowing grin spread over her face. If you want to use the safe word, you can, she said. Her tone was playful, almost teasing. Natasha let out a sound that was almost a growl. Now who talks too much? Russo chuckled, 
she let go of Natasha's head, reached down and grabbed both of Samar's ankles, and lifted them up and outward, folding the sensualist nearly in half and turning the folds of her sex to face the ceiling. She pressed the woman's feet under Natasha's hands, saying, Hold these, will you? Natasha did so. With Samar's position thus secured, the succubus straddled her, pressing their pizde firmly together. She covered Natasha's hands with her own and wrapped her fingers around Samar's feet, linking all three of them together. Then she began rocking her hips in a slow, steady rhythm, grinding her sex against Samar's. Samar responded by moaning against Natasha's pizde, and the added vibrations stoked her arousal even higher. Natasha ground her own hips back and forth, stroking from Samar's nose to her chin and back again. Russo leaned forward and kissed her again, and Natasha returned it fiercely, even biting her bottom lip. The succubus seemed surprised but not displeased, and answered this by biting Natasha on the side of the neck. The little stab of pain only seemed to amplify the pleasure even further. Natasha lost all sense of time, as their three bodies moved together in perfect harmony. She felt another orgasm building, and she knew it would be a strong one. As Samar cried out beneath her, Russo threw back her head and opened her mouth, and the yellow light in her eyes flared with a sudden torch-like intensity. Natasha felt that tugging sensation again inside her, that sense of something bright and alive being drawn out from her and consumed. The climax tore through her with volcanic force, and then the world went white. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.